started that business, bought peak.com, couldn't get it to work, lost millions of dollars between 2000 and 2010. Financial crisis had hit in 2008, 2009. I changed name to, from Peak to Spartan. CrossFit was becoming big. A lot of veterans were coming back from the war. And uh, Facebook was becoming big and it just worked. It just worked in a big way. Right, guys welcome back to the venture mentality podcast i'm your host jacob o'connor today joining us is joe desena he's a two-time new york times best-selling author and founder of spartan also known as spartan racing how are you doing joe beat up tired just the way i like it that's awesome so you know just to really get into things here joe i wanted to start off um actually with your first business i understand that cleaning pools was something that you initially did to make money could you talk to me a little bit about that yeah, actually, the uh, first business I was in was selling fireworks. And then um, my neighbor, who was the head of the organized crime family, the Bonanno uh, crime family, he uh, needed his pool clean. So he invited me over to clean his pool. When I was over there that first day, I remember very, very uh, vividly, he gave me three life lessons, three business lessons that have applied uh, to everything I've done. Um, one, if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna show up, make sure you show up early. On time is late. Uh, two, if you're gonna do a job, do it right. Um, go way uh, above and beyond. So, don't just clean the pool. For example, um, I want you to clean the lawn, furniture, straighten things up in the backyard, straighten out the shed. And then uh, number three, never ask for money. Never have your hand out. You'll you'll get money because you provided value. And um, they've been incredible life lessons. So that was. That was my first real business. That grew into a pretty sizable business, helped me pay for college, et cetera. So how were you able to scale that business? Because this wasn't just your typical, um, wasn't just your typical side business that you were doing. It was something that had grown a lot more. You know, I don't like to do anything small. And when I was building that, that swimming pool business, I really just focused on doing a great job, much like the ancient Spartans. The ancient Spartans didn't believe in legacy. Not in the sense that most of us do, um, but, um, but I was pretty, I was on my own at the same time. I was kind of figuring it out on my own. I, I, was, I was listening to my customers and figuring out how do, I, how do I get more customers? I remember there was a moment in time where I scratched my head and said, I can't believe I'm taking so many customers from, I'm, I'm pre-teens. I'm taking so many customers from pre-existing companies that have been around for 10, 15 years. I, I've been around for 10 or 15 months, let's say at this point, 24 months. How, why are they coming to me? And it was like, because I showed up. I went a little, I did a little extra. I returned the phone call. I was responsive. I, um, and so when you say, how'd you scale the business? It like, it wasn't hard. It's not hard. If you take care of your customers, they take care of you. So that I think I think you know once I saw the power of doing the right job. Oh, and going back, let's go back to that ancient Spartan philosophy, which was don't focus on legacy. If you focus on the job at hand and you do a great job, legacy will come. And I think I think that's what I did. I focused on the job at hand. I, I did a great job with each and every customer. Customers recommended me, and I saw the power um, of those recommendations. Oh my God, this business is growing and it's growing fast. And um, 
And then you have your challenges of hiring people and finding, uh, I need a physical location. I need more trucks. I need backhoes and bulldozers. And the other great thing was I was going to college, right? Like, like I, I came out of high school. I took some accounting classes in high school, which I would not have done had I had, had my own business. I went into college and I started picking classes that would help me with my business, which was great because I think a lot of kids, uh, a lot of people today, they listen to podcasts, they read books, but they're not applying that stuff real time, right? I was getting to apply everything I was learning real time to my business. Um, yeah, you know, it was, it was an interesting time in the world, right? It was, it was um, late 80s. It was late 80s, and we were getting our asses kicked as a country um, by Japan. Uh, the Japanese companies were, doing, were just doing much better. And um, it was, that was the beginning of that. And there were a couple of management experts that had come out. Uh, Tom Peters, Ken Blanchard. Ken Blanchard wrote The One Minute Manager. Tom Peters wrote In Search of Excellence. And they would come and speak. And, and, and their philosophy was integrated in a lot of classes I was taking. And the idea was the customer is always right. You got to go above and beyond. Right? There's usually a monomaniac on a mission at any successful company. And so I was getting all these little tidbits of information as I was building my business. So I don't know. I probably answered the question all over the place, but you got, you got the idea. Oh, that, that was perfect. And just to kind of follow the line here as you're progressing down your, your um, business and your entrepreneurial venture, you then left and sold this business and went to Wall Street. Am I correct? I did. I uh, graduated college. Somebody asked me what I was going to do, and I really wanted to get back to the neighborhood. There was a lot of uh, cool thugs in the neighborhood that um, people looked up to and respected, as ridiculous as that sounds. And I thought, gee, I could take my college education, my business savvy, and uh, maybe I could be involved in that. Stupid thinking. Um, but I met, I met an old Italian guy, an older Italian gentleman in Ithaca, New York, who saw the spark I had. And... Um, and he, um, sorry that my daughters are running back and forth. Um, he, he said, what are you doing? Get out of the neighborhood. You gotta go to Wall Street. He, with your uh, aggressiveness and, and um, you know, tenacity, uh, you'll kill it. You'll kill it on the other side of the river. And I didn't really understand Wall Street, but thank God he stayed on me for years. And I kept running my business and he kept bugging me and I kept running my business, he kept bugging me. And then one day he gave me a stock tip and I listened to him and I bought the stock and I made a lot of money very quickly. And I said, oh my God, he's right. I got to go to Wall Street and get, get out of the pool business. Sold the pool business to the guys that work for me, young kids that work for me. And they're still there today. They're multimillionaires. They've done very, very well. And um, I, had, I had a good run on Wall Street. It was great. So what prompted you then to leave Wall Street? What was kind of like the... the the driving force or kind of the moment of like, wow, this isn't for me anymore. You know, I think a lot of people at Wall, on Wall Street that are just doing it um, and don't know anything else, they come right out of college and they go there. I, at least I had those three or four years where I learned other skills. I could mix cement, I could lay bricks, I could build a house. Um, so I was never going to be there in my mind forever. I certainly, I didn't want to sit in front of a computer and, and trade. Um, the money was very, very good. The excitement was very, you felt like a big man on campus. It was awesome. But um, I wanted a farm. I don't know. I wanted a farm. I wanted a wife. I wanted kids. I wanted goats. And uh, 
was time, it was time to go. 9-11 happened. Um, it's tough business too. I mean, as, as much money as you can make, it's like uh, very superficial. Um, the relationships you have are not necessarily all like, um, tight, strong relationships. They're very driven by money. And, um, I don't know. I was ready. I was ready for something purposeful. How did you get into, um, I don't want to call them Spartan races because they weren't called that then back then, but how did you get into that type of endurance racing? You know, I was putting on events myself. I'm sorry. I was competing in events myself in the late nineties as a way to escape reality, the reality of the pressures of, of the business we owned on, on Wall Street. And, um, I just loved it. And I'm an entrepreneur at heart and I'd be out on those races saying, gee, I could do this. I could put on a race. This would be fun. And so I formed uh, peak. I bought peak.com, the URL before the internet bubble crash for a million dollars, <throat> which was stupid. And then, um, started to try to put together like a social network of crazy people, people that would swim across the, the English channel, people that would climb Everest and, uh, couldn't really get it going because I was so focused. I think this happens a lot to entrepreneurs. I was so focused on my main business. I wasn't paying attention enough to this thing. <clears throat> I was trying to get to work. And um, so when you hear noise, it's just a lot of people walking in and out of the house, getting ready. Here goes another one. This is our resident philosopher, Dennis, just walked by. Um, he, was, he was actually one of our students seven years ago. We had him here on the farm. A lot of people raised their hand and asked to come up to the farm to, to try to get their mind um, a little more gritty, a little more resilient, a little healthier. So I invited, uh, shit, I invited 3 million people up here, but Dennis showed up and, um, and now he's a teacher. Now he's teaching the kids philosophy, which is nice. But, um, Super cool. Yeah, it's, a lot of, it's, a, it's, it's craziness here. It's chaos. It's organized chaos. Um, and so where were we? Wall Street, farm. So I left, started that business, bought peak.com. Couldn't get it to work. Lost millions of dollars between 2000 and 2010. Financial crisis had hit in 2008, 2009. I changed name to, from Peak to Spartan. CrossFit was becoming big. A lot of veterans were coming back from the war. And uh, Facebook was becoming big and it just worked. Just worked in a big way. And we, we got really lucky. But I lost money. I lost money for over a decade. How did you deal with that? Because like, I know that obviously one of the really big things for you is commitment. And I'm going to ask you to speak on that here in a second. But a lot of people after losing money for a decade or even half of a decade would just turn around and quit. What was it that kept you going? I just don't like to lose. You know, and I just don't want to be embarrassed. Um, human beings are motivated by one thing, the avoidance of discomfort. We avoid discomfort at all costs. A few of us have figured out how to make it more uncomfortable to quit, more uncomfortable to not do the hard work, right? And that's, that's the case for me. It's, it's certainly uncomfortable to wake up at 4.17 in the morning, but, um, and it's uncomfortable to take a cold shower, and it's uncomfortable to do 300 burpees, and it's uncomfortable to carry a kettlebell, and it's uncomfortable to lose money for 15 years, but it's more uncomfortable to not for me. And so if you could find that magic, and make it more uncomfortable to not do the work, you win in life. I heard a saying a couple of years ago, and it's just really simple. It's two words, but it's kind of struck me and actually helped me make a lot of hard decisions in my life. And it just said, seek discomfort. 
and I don't even know if discomfort's a real word like that, but it was something that really struck me is the fact that a lot of people avoid comfort, but when a lot of people avoid discomfort, but when you're um, uncomfortable, that's whenever you kind of start to grow and see things start to change in your life. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I love seek discomfort, and um, there is there is actual science behind the idea that uh, that's when we grow. I mean, uh, you don't you don't go in and lift weights and try to stimulate muscles with uh, cotton candy and uh, you know a soda, right? You do hard work, and 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 you shock um, your muscles into an uncomfortable situation where they grow. <clears throat> the same is true with your your mind, and the same is true with your entire being so um somehow in the last decade two decades we've lost our way and uh all, all we're seeking is comfort and i've got so many people that are depressed and overweight and not having healthy relationships all because um they don't get uncomfortable so discomfort is absolutely uh critical daily so just for anyone listening who isn't aware, how big is the, Spart the Spartan community now? Uh, well, we've had 7 million Spartans through the system, and we've had people through the system in 10 years. So quite a, quite a number of people, and um, I think they would all agree with you that that's when we grow. We grow during discomfort. What about the name behind the, the, the Spartan? Where did the idea of Spartan and that word, why is that so powerful to you, or was it just a quick decision without much thought what was the behind that thoughts behind it just think of history think of think of uh what those spartans did right 300 spartans by the way right now is the 2500 year anniversary of Thermopylae, that famous battle against the persians where 300 spartans held those persians off against all odds and um yeah very very simple lifestyle very focused on health and wellness um gender neutral um i don't know it just it just means so much with so little just one word you get it who doesn't want to be spartan everybody does exactly i always like to think of it as kind of like a, a warrior mentality somewhat um of not having of needing to do something the only opportunity the only outcome is success because when you kind of cut off the idea of failure that's whenever you got to keep pushing and commit to that thing so what has, just for anyone listening, what does your daily routine look like? Because obviously you're the founder of Spartan. I'm sure not all people know that you actually live out this lifestyle. Yeah, it's usually, usually a bubble bath every day, cotton candy, lots of chocolate bars. Now I, I wake up very, very early in the morning. I typically do two to three workouts a day. Uh, I wake the kids up. I make them work out every day. I make them do Mandarin. I make them do math every single day. Uh, I answer hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails. I do podcasts. I probably do a podcast a day, uh, whether I'm interviewing or being interviewed. Uh, I deal with all kinds of headaches, as any business owner does. Um, and when I finally lay my head on a pillow, I'm able to hit Netflix for about 14 and a half minutes before I'm sleeping. I've literally squeezed every ounce of life out of myself for that day. And, um, and I love it. Joe, as we start to wrap things up here, where can people find you online if they want to reach out or learn more about you? Go to Spartan.com. Shoot me an email if you want, Joe at Spartan.com. Uh, love to, to hear from anybody. If you do write me an email, make it like no more than three sentences. I can't read long emails. And um, check us out. We have a podcast, Spartan Up. 
Um, we've got books. We've got, uh, you know, <clears throat> this idea of a Spartan paradox is really important for your listeners. A lot of people think that they shouldn't go do something hard like a Spartan race until they've started eating healthy, lost weight, and train, but actually the Spartan Paradox says the actual opposite is true. You should actually sign up for something hard and that's gonna force you to do those things. So I would implore you guys and gals to sign up for something hard in the future. It could be learning French, could be going up and talking to somebody you're afraid to talk to, could whatever it is, put a date on the calendar and it will force you to do a bunch of things you don't wanna do leading up to that date. It's all about putting yourself in that environment and in the, in the situation that make the force you to kind of adapt to the circumstances, right? No doubt about it. So, you know, I know you mentioned earlier, and this is always my last question. Um, you mentioned earlier that Spartans didn't really believe in the idea of legacy, but rather like living each day um, to the fullest and, and trying to have the greatest impact they can. And then ultimately at the end when they die, they have that legacy. But my last question is always something similar. So I'm curious to hear what your answer is. So when you die, the only thing that matters is the difference that you made and the impact that you had. So that being said, what difference or what impact are you trying to make throughout the course of your life? I want to change 100 million lives. I want to change the trajectory of 100 million lives. I'm going to get people healthier, fitter, uh, more resilient. And uh, I'm 10 million in. I got 90 million to go. And uh, I get a free pass to heaven, I'm told, if I get that done. That's my, that's my plan.